we're going to um, unleash Dan on you this morning. Dan's going to come and speak this morning. So pin your ears back, okay? Um, this guy is, is carrying something of God up in him. And uh, so just listen. Take notes, okay? Take notes. Okay, off you go, buddy. Thank you very much, Bill. Father, bless him and strengthen him. Give him, give him such... Lord, thank you for his friendship and his love. Thank you for his family. Lord, thank you for all that he is. <laughs> that he's loved by you. Yes. And he knows it. Father, we pray that he would have just a simple confidence in the fact that he's loved in this space and he's loved by you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Wow, I think the Holy Spirit's already speaking to us this morning, you know. Ellen just got up and shared, and I was fuming. I turned to Bobby. I said, she's preaching my sermon. <laughs> because as you started speaking, I was thinking, oh, that's funny. That's kind of similar to what I'm saying. Um, and then you spoke about how we're the ones who change, who change atmospheres. Uh, and that's exactly what I want to kind of drive in on this morning. Uh, but before I kind of get into what I want to share with you, I just want to take an opportunity, actually, to thank all of you for uh, the way that you've welcomed Bobby and I. Thank you for making us feel so at home. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for putting up with the twins and the, the fun and the chaos and the noise that they bring to church every Sunday. And uh, yeah, we already feel so at home. We're still in the process of getting to know you all. Some of you, I'm asking you your name like every Sunday. So I'm sorry about that. You'll have to be patient with me. But uh, we already are so excited to be part of the Myrtle House family. We're so happy to be here with you. Uh, and I'm excited to have the opportunity this morning to share with you guys from the Word of God. And uh, what I want to speak about this morning kind of follows on from where we left off last week. And just quickly for those of you who weren't with us last week, we read through a passage of scripture from John chapter 3. Uh, which shows us an encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus. And we read it, we discussed it, we then watched a clip of that scene being portrayed on The Chosen, and we discussed it some more, and then Martin, myself, and Bill spoke just for five minutes each, uh, kind of about what we saw on the clip, but more importantly than that, we spoke about why it is that we worship Jesus. And in my bit, I spoke about how that encounter between Jesus and Nicodemus shows us that Nicodemus was captured when he saw and heard the things that Jesus was doing. And although he didn't understand much of what Jesus was trying to teach him, he couldn't deny the things that he knew that Jesus had done. And I spoke about how for us too, we are often led to worship when we think about the things that Jesus has done. When I think about what he's done for me, when I hear about what he's done in the lives of others, and when I read about the things that he did in Scripture, it causes my heart to turn to him in worship. And so this morning, we're kind of going to continue with that train of thought, but I also want us to take it a bit further. And in a moment's time, we're going to read from John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. So if you have a Bible, you may like to turn there ready. And we're going to read through it, and then once we've read it, we're really going to walk through the text together, and we're going to explore what it is that it might be showing us. And my theme for this morning is when worship spills out. When worship spills out, what does it look like when our worship spills out? Last week, we spoke about why we worship, but this week, as well as continuing to think about why we worship, 
I also want us to think about what it looks like when that worship that, it, that is in our hearts spills out into action. What does that mean and what does it look like for you and for me? So that's where we go in. And we're going to read from John chapter 12. And just for your information, uh, I'm reading from the New International Reader's Version, which isn't a translation that I normally use, to be honest. But uh, I just love the way these verses are worded in that translation. And hopefully it will appear on the screen for you. It's a bit small, but hopefully you can read it or otherwise you can follow along in your Bibles. And it says, beginning at verse 1, It was six days before the Passover feast. Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived. Lazarus was the one Jesus had raised from the dead. A dinner was given at Bethany to honor Jesus. Martha served the food. Lazarus was among the people at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took out about a pint of pure nard. It was an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair. And the house was filled with the sweet smell of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot didn't like what Mary did. He was one of Jesus' disciples. Later, he was going to hand Jesus over to his enemies. And Judas said, why wasn't this perfume sold? Why wasn't the money given to poor people? It was worth a year's pay. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He said it because he was a thief. Judas was in charge of the money bag and he used to help himself to what was in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. The perfume was meant for the day I am buried. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. Now, that is a brilliant passage of scripture. But this morning, I really want you to understand as we continue what's going on. And I really want you to picture the scene in your minds. And I want you to see how this is really one huge story of worship from start to finish. In the passage, we see that Jesus was in Bethany, which is where Lazarus lived. They weren't in Lazarus's house, but they were in the place where Lazarus lived. In fact, the other gospel writers who cover this event give us some detail that John doesn't add. And they tell us that this meal took place in the home of a guy called Simon, who was once a leper, but Jesus had healed him. There were probably about 20 odd people in the house. We know that Jesus and his disciples were there. Mary was there. Martha was there. Lazarus was there. Simon the leper, who wasn't a leper anymore, was there. And probably a few other friends or relatives of Simon's were in attendance. So there were a lot of people there. And verse 2 tells us that this dinner was given to honor Jesus. It was basically like a thank you meal from Simon but probably also from Mary and Martha and Lazarus, just to show their appreciation for all that Jesus had done for them. Martha cooked the food. And we've read before, haven't we, about Martha cooking for Jesus. But what's interesting is that this time, there's no sign of Martha doing any complaining. Because the way that she worshipped was to serve. And she'd learned to embrace it. She was serving her master 
who had done so much for her and so much for those around her. And her love for Jesus and her longing to worship him began in her heart, but it spilled out into action and servanthood. She's serving Jesus and she's serving the others who were present too. And as they were sat around the dinner table, you know, I can't help but wonder what the conversation might have sounded like. We know that Simon was there. And I'm just thinking that perhaps he was saying, you know, I'm just so thankful for what you've done for me, Jesus. I'm so thankful for what you did. Perhaps he turns to the others who are there and he says, guys, do you do you know what Jesus did for me? I mean, I'm sure you do know it was the talk of the town. But I had leprosy. I was in severe pain all of the time. My skin was full of sores and ulcers. My throat was hoarse. I was smelly and everyone viewed me as being unclean. My life was a living nightmare, totally devoid of any hope. But then Jesus came along and he touched me. He healed me and now I'm free. That's what Jesus did. He loved me so much that he couldn't bear to see me suffer any longer. When everyone else had abandoned me, when nobody else wanted to come anywhere near me. Jesus approached me. Jesus wasn't afraid to come close. And he healed me. And that's why I worship him. That's why I've thrown this meal in my house today. To say thank you, Jesus. And I just imagine that whilst they're sitting there and they're listening intently to Simon, Lazarus interrupts. And he says, listen, that's a lovely story, Simon. And I'm so glad that Jesus healed you. But that's nothing compared to what Jesus has done for me. You may have had leprosy, but I was dead. My sisters here, Mary and Martha, they sent word to Jesus to let him know that I was unwell. But by the time he reached me, I hadn't, it's not only that I had already passed away, but I'd been in the tomb for four days. And when Jesus arrived, they told him that he was too late. They told him that there wouldn't be any point in trying to save me. They told him that the best thing to do would be just to leave me alone. But despite what they said, Jesus had the tombstone rolled to one side. And he walked over to the edge of the tomb. And he called me by my name. And he shouted into the tomb, Lazarus! Come out. And immediately I was raised to life. And I ran out of that grave. And so I stand before you today in health and in freedom with breath in my lungs. And that's why I worship you, Jesus. And Jesus, I just want to say thank you. Because I was dead, but now I'm alive. That's what I imagine was going on here. They threw this meal of thanksgiving for Jesus. And they were sat in amazement remembering all that he had done. But then it was Mary's turn to show her appreciation. 
And you know, clearly for Mary, words weren't good enough. Because verse 3 tells us that Mary took about a pint of pure nard. And it was an expensive perfume. We're told later on that it was worth about a year's wage. Mary's act of worship was a sacrifice. It was expensive. It was something that cost her. And you know, sometimes worship is expensive. I'm not just talking here about pounds and pence. But sometimes if we are to truly worship Jesus, it costs us something. Sometimes we come to church and because of what we're going through, if we're really honest, we don't feel like worshipping. We don't always feel like singing and clapping and raising our hands. Sometimes when we come to worship, we can find it hard to shut out the hurt or the frustration or the disappointment that we are carrying. But because we're confident of who Jesus is, we push that aside and we worship him anyway. And that's a sacrifice. To lay down my feelings in order to worship Jesus truly for who he is. Even when I don't understand what he's doing. Last year, someone who I knew passed away at 39 years of age. His name was Dave. I didn't know him really well, but I'd met him and spoken to him on a number of occasions. And uh, we know some members of his family very well because they were part of the church that we used to attend. And uh, Dave, he was a relatively young man. He had no known health condition that could have explained what happened. But one day last year, Dave went to sleep and he never woke up again. They later discovered that he had a bleed on the brain which had killed him during his sleep. And as you can imagine, his family were totally devastated. Their lives had literally been torn apart and turned upside down overnight. A few weeks after Dave passed away, this family lost somebody else who, were, uh, who they were very close to. It was a close family friend who was as good as family to them. And they were absolutely devastated. And yet I can remember the first Sunday that that family walked back into church after all this had happened. And four of them walked in together, Dave's mum and dad, his sister and his brother-in-law. And I was on the worship team playing the drums that Sunday. And I watched them as they walked down to the front of the church. And they sat about four or five rows back where they always would sit. And you only had to take one look at them to see the pain. You only had to take one look at them to see how broken these people were. And yet I kind of kept a discreet eye on them during our time of worship that morning. And what I saw was four people absolutely going for it in worship singing their hearts out, hands raised in the air. And it was incredible. And when I saw it, I was almost reduced to tears. Even now, I'm almost reduced to tears to think about that. That despite everything they had going through, despite the hurt, the confusion, despite everything that had happened, they made a decision that day that regardless of how we feel, we are going to worship Jesus with everything that we've got. Because we're confident that he is who he says he is. That we know that he is good even when our lives 
are far from good. That was expensive worship. That was something which cost them. And I'm sure there have been stories like that in this church over the years too. Mary's worship was costly. It was expensive. It was sacrificial. And yet she did it because she knew that Jesus was invaluable. Yes, this was expensive perfume, but in comparison to Jesus, its value paled into insignificance. Moving back to verse 3, it says, Mary took about a pint of pure nard, and it was an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped them with her hair, expressing her love and her adoration and her worship. And the house was filled with the sweet smell of the perfume. I love that. The common English Bible says the house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. The message paraphrase says the fragrance of the oils filled the house. The house was filled with the sweet smell of the perfume. Mary was overcome with gratitude and worship. And she remembered what Jesus had done for Simon, who was once a leper. And she remembered what Jesus had done for her brother, Lazarus. We thought he was dead. We thought we'd lost him. But Jesus raised him from the dead. And words just weren't enough to express the worship that was in her heart. So her worship spilled out in this incredible act of love and generosity and selflessness. And the Bible tells us that the result of her action was that the whole house was filled with the fragrance of Mary's worship. Mary's worship spilled out in such a way that it impacted every single person in that house. There were 20 odd people there and they didn't only witness Mary's worship, but they could sense it. They could smell it. The aroma, the fragrance, the sweet smell of Mary's worship. It filled every room in the house. And I wonder what it would look like for us if we lived our lives in such a way that worship was just part of the way that we live our lives. If our lives as followers of Jesus were marked by worship. And if our acts of worship and our attitude of worship were to continually fill the atmosphere around us. That when we walk into our workplaces, into our homes, when we're out doing our shopping, when we're visiting family and friends, when we're speaking to our neighbours, that there would be an aroma, metaphorically speaking, that would fill the places that we would dwell in. I'm not talking about someone who smells, by the way. That's a different type of aroma. We We don't want any of that. But we can carry with us an aroma of worship that impacts those around us. That they can sense something of the presence of God. That they can sense something of our love and our adoration for God. 
that it would spill out of our hearts, that it would overflow out of our lives. Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We're to offer our bodies to God. We're to offer our lives to God. The way that you live your life is supposed to be a sacrifice of worship. Our worship is about so much more than just coming to church and singing songs. Listen, I love sung worship. Bobby and I have always got worship music playing in the house, in the car. We love to come to church on Sunday and join our church family in worshipping Jesus in song. But guys, we've got to think bigger. Our worship is more than a song. It's more than just words. It's more than saying thank you. It's about allowing the worship that's in our hearts to spill out and fill the atmosphere around us. It's about allowing the worship that's in our hearts to alter the way that we live our lives. Mary's worship spilled out of her heart. And the house was filled with the sweet smell of the perfume. But look at verse 4. And don't worry, I'm going to bring this plane to land in a minute, I promise. But verse 4 says, But Judas Iscariot didn't like what Mary did. And you know, when your life is marked by worship, some people are not going to like it. And I know that's not a nice thought, but that is the reality of it. Don't be surprised when certain people oppose you. Don't be surprised when certain people take a dislike to you because you choose to live your life differently to them. And that can come from people who aren't Christians and they don't like the fact that you are. But, you know, often it can come from other Christians. Because when they see you running after Jesus wholeheartedly, when they see you living out a lifestyle of worship, and they notice that whenever you're around, the atmosphere changes in a positive way, that makes them feel uncomfortable, and they don't like it. Sometimes we have to expect opposition. Judas Iscariot didn't like what Mary did. He was one of Jesus' disciples, And later he was going to hand Jesus over to his enemies. Judas said, why wasn't this perfume sold? Why wasn't the money given to poor people? It was worth a year's pay. Seems like a valid point, doesn't it? But here's the thing, verse 6. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. He said it because he was a thief. Judas was in charge of the money bag. And he used to help himself to what was in it. Judas's criticism here reveals the condition of his heart. The Bible tells us in Matthew 12 verse 24 that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Other translations say that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Judas in this moment was surrounded by people whose hearts were full of worship. Simon, Lazarus, Mary, Martha. 
the other disciples of Jesus who were there. Their hearts were full of worship, which meant that their words were full of worship. And their actions were full of worship. But Judas's heart was critical and it was deceptive. And so his words matched the condition of his heart. His words were critical of Mary's act of worship. But his words were also words of deception. He was trying to mask his own greed by pretending that he had a heart for the poor. But the Bible tells us Judas didn't care about the poor. He just wanted the money for himself. Judas didn't like what Mary did. But Jesus did. Jesus liked it. And you know, we mustn't get too caught up on what other people say and what other people think. What does Jesus think? What's Jesus saying? And Jesus said, leave her alone. I love that. Leave her alone. The perfume was meant for the day that I am buried. In other words, Jesus is saying, she's showing kindness to me before I die. That perfume was meant to be used as an offering of worship after Jesus' death. It's a little bit like how uh, today as a mark of respect, we may take flowers and lay them at the grave of someone who's passed away. Or sometimes when there's been a tragedy, we might take flowers and place them at the place where somebody died. It's a similar sort of idea going on here. But Mary decided not to wait until Jesus' death. She wanted to pour out her worship personally. She wanted to pour out her worship at his feet. She was showing him her worship and her kindness towards him before, the, before he died. And Jesus loved it. And so as I finish, I wonder this morning, what does your daily worship look like? How much does it cost you? What might your act of sacrificial worship be this week? What fragrance will you be carrying with you this week that will alter the atmosphere around you? As you go about your normal business, as you go to work, as you meet people, as you interact with people, as you do whatever it is that you do, will worship spill out into your conversations? Will it spill out into the way that you treat people? Are you living a lifestyle of worship which is visible and evident to those around you? Are you willing to worship Jesus unashamedly this week in the way that you live? In a way that isn't fearful of what others might say or what others might think. Other people may criticize you. Other people may question your motives. But when we live for Jesus, that pleases him. And he acts as our defender. I've talked for long enough. Let's pray. And then I'll hand back over to Bill. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for all that you have done for us. I thank you for all that you are currently doing for us. I thank you in faith for all that you are going to do 
in the future. Father, would you help us as we seek to honour you, as we seek to worship you with our words, but also would you help us as we seek to worship you with our lives, as we try to live a lifestyle of worship in a way that spills out, in a way where we carry an aroma of your presence with us wherever we go. Father, would you place people around us who are going to who are going to benefit from that impact of our worship spilling out? May it be contagious as we worship you. Mary worshipped you. Her worship began in her heart, and it spilled out. How wonderful things happened! And Father, I pray that wonderful things would happen in us and through us and around us, when our worship spills out. I think of Paul and Silas in the prison. And they started praising God in the prison cell. They started worshipping you. And their chains fell loose. Their worship spilled out of their hearts. And something wonderful happened. I think of a bunch of young people who met at a university in Asprey, to worship you and to pray to you and to honour you. And their worship spilled out and you're doing something wonderful in their midst. And I ask that that would happen here and that it would happen for each of us. That as our worship spills out, you would do something that is wonderful. In Jesus' name, amen.